0: everyone. Welcome to the Natasha Crane Podcast. Well, it's important to know that this is part two of my episode, Public, Private, or Homeschool, Thinking Through Your Child's Education. In part one, I laid out six principles Christian parents should consider when making educational choices, and those principles are absolutely crucial for understanding what I'm talking about today. So I'm not going to repeat them here. I'm just going to point you there. I also shared my thoughts on and experiences with homeschooling in part one. So So what I'm saying is if you haven't listened to part one, stop now, go listen to that episode for context, and then come back here. In this part of the episode, I'm going to talk about Christian private schools. I originally intended for this to be part two of two, in which I covered both Christian private schools and public schools, but after I drafted this episode, I realized that there was just so much to talk about with Christian private schools alone that I decided to record this one as its own episode, and then we'll have a part three still to come in which I discuss my thoughts. On public. So if you've been waiting for that part of it, I apologize that you'll have to wait a little bit longer. I've got a lot to go through here, but I want to make a quick announcement first. As a reminder, if you're in Arizona, you're not going to want to miss our Unshaken Conference coming to Tucson on September 23rd. Come be part of a day of equipping the church to stand strong in this increasingly hostile culture. Elisa Childress, Frank Turk, and I will all be speaking multiple times at the event. You can get your tickets at unshakenconference.com. And a little further out, we'll be in Nashville on November 4th, and those tickets are selling really fast, even though we're a few months out, so be sure to get yours soon. And on a related note, we just announced that due to popular demand, we're extending our Unshaken tour for four more dates in 2024. We are so excited about this. And not only that, but we're giving you the opportunity this time to let us know if you would like us to come to your church. Every time that we post on social media about an upcoming conference, we have so many people who say, oh, please come to this location, come to Michigan, or come to New York, come to Washington. We always get people who are trying to get us to their area, but we don't have the ability to go there unless you invite us to your church. And so we decided that we're gonna give you the opportunity to let us know if you think that your church would be a great fit for the conference. So if you would like us to come to you, go on our site, unshakenconference.com. You'll see a banner there with a link that says interested in hosting an event click here and that will show you the requirements for the church just a couple of things and there's a little form there that you can fill out and if it looks like a good fit then we'll be getting back to you so really excited about that and we hope to hear from a lot of you who would like us to come your way all right Let's dig in. As I mentioned in part 1, my twins attended a Christian private school from K through 5 and my younger daughter has attended the same school for all but one year and she's now in middle school there. So what I'm going to share about Christian private schools comes of course from those experiences, but also from knowledge of other schools in our area, elementary up through high school, from friends who work in private schools and other places and from experiences that have been shared with me by parents all over the country. I hear from a lot of you. So I'm poor from a lot of different observations here. In part one, I mentioned that Christian private schools vary vastly in quality and their commitment to an integration of a biblical worldview. Broadly speaking, I would place schools in four categories, and I'm going to speak to these categories individually because each category has really different considerations when you're looking at schools. So let me list them by name, and you'll kind of have a rough idea of what I'm talking about there just from hearing that, and then I'm going to take them one at a time in more depth in the rest of this episode. Number one, you have progressive Christian schools. Number two, You have nominally Christian schools. Number three, you have committed Christian schools with a mainstream educational philosophy. And number four, committed Christian schools with a different educational philosophy. Now, of course, in practice, schools are going to be somewhere on a spectrum of these four categories, so they're not going to necessarily fit perfectly in buckets. And this is not like a generally known framework or anything like that. This is just my own observation. This is what I have noticed noticed in my own experience and the experiences of others. And so I'm just kind of coming up with these as a framework for this episode because I think they provide a good framework to discuss the school differences. So let's start with progressive Christian schools. These are schools that don't even claim to be holding to the historic Christian faith. That's the dividing line between this category, the first category, and the other three categories. Schools in the other three categories are going to have a complete statement of faith and at least claim to hold to it. They don't always, and I'll talk more about that shortly, but they at least claim to hold it progressive Christian schools are like progressive Christian churches. They'll either have no explicit statement of faith or they'll have one that's problematic. And because a lot of Christian schools that are progressive won't put that exact label anywhere, you'll have to evaluate their website and their materials to see what kind of statement of faith they actually make. If you're not sure what to look for, you're not sure how to evaluate a statement of faith, I'm going to point you to my Unshaken Faith podcast with Alisa Childers, episode number nine, called How to Discern a Church Website. And I'll put a link to that in the show notes also. Schools aren't churches, but the same things apply when you're looking at a what we believe kind of page. And so I think that episode will be helpful to you if you're in the process of evaluating a school. So as one example, I looked up a local Episcopalian school, which of course is part of a very progressive denomination. On the site, there's no trace of a statement of faith, but there is a tab for quote-unquote equity and inclusion. So that says a lot. Any school affiliated with a progressive Christian denomination is on. Almost certainly going to be progressive as well. But I want to make it clear you shouldn't make a conclusion one way or another based on a general denominational name like Lutheran, for example. Lutheran can mean a lot of different things, ranging from very progressive to very conservative. I'm not personally Lutheran, but the school my kids have attended is a Lutheran school affiliated with an LCMC church, which is committed to the historic faith. Lutheran schools that are affiliated with liberal Lutheran streams, though, are completely different. So you just have to do your homework with the individual school to understand where it falls within the denomination. Now, if there is a progressive Christian school by you, chances are you live in an urban area and have other Christian school options. It's pretty obvious that if you have the choice between homeschool, a progressive Christian school, and a non-progressive Christian school, you'll want to throw out the progressive school. But what if your only choice is between public and progressive Christian schools? Well, I don't know. It would really depend on how bad the public school is. At least with a public school, you can help your kids see the clear differences between a biblical and secular worldview. At a progressive Christian school, you're paying for them to be confused between what's biblical Christianity and what's not. So generally speaking, I would probably almost always take the public school rather than risk that confusion unless there is some kind of extenuating circumstance there with safety or something of that nature. That brings me to the second category of nominally Christian schools. So unlike the progressive Christian schools, nominally Christian schools do have a solid statement of faith. So at least on the surface, they claim to hold to the historic Christian faith. What separates these schools from the next category, the third category of committed Christian schools, though, in my mind, is one or both of the following. Number one, integration of a biblical worldview into their education is very light, and or number two, in practice, they actually aren't holding to the statement of faith. So let me break down those two things so you can kind of get an idea of what to look for. First, the integration of a biblical worldview being very light. Just because you send your kid to a Christian school that on paper believes what you do, it doesn't mean they're going to get much of a quote-unquote Christian education. Many Christian schools function just like public schools, but have a very thin veneer of Christian practices over them. And that's about it. So, for example, at a nominally Christian school, you'll see some combination of the following four key things. Number one, prayer in the classroom and at various activities. The frequency of prayer and the nature of that prayer will completely depend on the teacher. Teachers will vary in spiritual maturity, which, by the way, is the case no matter where you are in a school, even when they all commit to the same statement of faith. So some do an amazing job of praying with students through conflict to start the day before events and so on. And others might only offer a quick blessing before lunch just because that's what they're expected to do. The second thing that you'll see at a nominally Christian school is that you'll get some kind of Bible class. In general, I'd say that at least for K through 8 to not expect much from the Bible class in a school like this, Um, even in committed Christian schools, I think that that can be the case, but especially in schools from this category that are more nominally Christian in nature. The class that you're going to get in Bible is likely just going to be maybe a minor step up from Sunday school type of teaching, which obviously tends to not be very deep. Think worksheets, videos, and skits. And if it's a high school with a Bible class, you'll probably get something at least a little bit deeper, but maybe not a lot deeper for schools in this category. Number three... You'll theoretically have connections in non-Bible subjects to the biblical worldview. So I say theoretically because the degree to which this happens is going to vary wildly between teachers depending on the depth of their own faith and their training in the know-how to make the connections. In nominally Christian schools, this is going to be sporadic and not very uh, deep at all. And finally, number four, you'll probably have a chapel of some kind once a week. This typically involves songs, announcements, philanthropy, and some kind of speaker. So, when I say that worldview integration is light in these schools, this is what I mean. You're going to get some Christian elements. You're going to get prayer, a Bible class, maybe some Bible connections and non Bible classes, and a chapel. But that's not what a Christian education can be. Remember from part one of this episode, I proposed as a Christian philosophy of education the following. The goal of education should be to direct the process of a child's development toward God's purposes for their knowledge and character, all for His glory. So there's so much more that could go into a Christian education than what nominally Christian schools provide. So that's one thing that separates what I call a nominally Christian school from committed Christian schools, the third category, only a very light worldview integration. But I want to talk now about the other factor I mentioned that sometimes separates these schools from the committed ones, and that's when they aren't actually holding to their statement of faith in practice. So in other words, yes, they have a solid statement of faith, but when you find out what's actually going on in the school, it's not being executed as such. So I can't consider a school like that to truly be a committed Christian institution, even though they have a solid statement of faith. I want to offer a few thoughts on how to know if that's going on for a given school that you might be considering, or maybe even one that you're at. Because of everything that's going on with LGBT trends in youth, this is often the area that pokes its head out most visibly if a school has progressive leanings despite the solid statement of faith. So one thing you can look for is if they have any statement on biblical sexuality and gender identity. If they don't mention it online ask the administration directly for the school's view on it and how in practice they will apply this with the student body. Their response to this very hot issue is going to tell you a lot about how committed they are to a biblical worldview. Is it just on paper or are they willing to stand firm in practice? That's the question. Another thing to look at in terms of depth of biblical commitment is whether the teachers and administrators all sign the same statement of faith. In other words, is it something that's a hypothetical viewpoint for the school or is it a worldview to which they ensure their teachers are committed? In reality, even if a teacher signs a statement of faith, you cannot be assured they will believe it and will execute it. But this will at least give you an idea of the school's priorities. If the teachers aren't required to sign a statement of faith, you can be almost certain that you will see the negative fruit of that in classes over time. That is a significant red flag. Something else to know is if the school requires families to also sign the Statement of Faith. In some schools, at least one parent has to sign it, a one parent of a student who enters the school. Other schools see their program as an outreach and will gladly welcome non-believers, and it's considered to be more of a mission. They're hoping that they're going to lead kids to Jesus who end up at the school for one reason or another. So just because a school does not enforce a Statement of Faith for every family doesn't mean it's only a nominal Christian school. It may be a missional school, as they call it, but it does affect a lot of dynamics at the school, so it's just something that you as a parent should know before going in. Last, if you're considering a school and you don't know how committed it is to the biblical worldview, just talk to the current parents there. In one of our local large Christian high schools, I learned from talking to parents that the school basically turns a blind eye to LGBT advocacy among students, especially prevalent in the arts program, and that certain classes, particularly in literature, use texts that I certainly wouldn't expect to see at a Christian school. That's just a couple of examples. But on paper, you would never, ever expect this from this school, from talking to administrators. You would never expect this from the school. You would only learn this from talking to parents who acknowledge that, yeah, the school is actually, quote unquote, pretty progressive when it comes down to it. So in summary, what differentiates a nominal from a committed Christian school is how deeply the worldview commitment is integrated into the education and whether the biblical worldview is actually executed in practice. Now let's talk about the third category that I called committed Christian schools with a mainstream educational philosophy. These are schools that have a solid statement of faith, unlike progressive schools, and are seriously committed to educating kids from a Christian perspective in every area. If it's a committed school with what I'm calling a mainstream educational philosophy, the curriculum and the program trajectory will very much look like what you would find in a public school setting. The school is going to track with what the public schools in the area are doing, and they're going to measure results in similar ways. Now, I realize a lot of people would say that if a school is closely tracking with the program and curriculum structure of public schools, it's not a very committed Christian school. But I think we have to be nuanced here. A school can be very committed to the Christian worldview and integrate that consistently and faithfully in many different ways unlike the nominal Christian schools, while still following the structural philosophy found in public schools in terms of the scope and sequence of classes, educational emphases, the methods of measuring outcomes, and so on. I'll explain more about different kinds of school philosophies in a few minutes when I talk about the fourth category of schools, but I just want to point out for right now that a school can be committed to a biblical worldview while being structured in the same ways educationally as the public schools in the area are. So here are a few ways that committed Christian schools might be different than the nominal ones. First, the amount of time spent on the Bible subject each week and the curriculum that is used. Now, be aware that curriculum does not necessarily mean that it's going to actually be taught. Most years, my kids came home with empty books. So even if that curriculum looked amazing and you're like, yes, this is stuff I want my kids to learn, it doesn't necessarily mean they're actually going to learn that. So that is something you would have to talk to the school about. Bible teaching in elementary was mostly kids doing skits and presentations in class for us. But looking at the curriculum will at least give you an idea of how serious the biblical component is theoretically taken, and that's a whole different issue than if the curriculum is something that clearly is lacking or even is wrong, biblically speaking. The second way that a committed Christian school may be different than a nominal one is that they're going to have chapels with more meat. So if a school has outside speakers come to chapel Ask who those speakers were for the last school year and do a little bit of research. You might find that the school wasn't very discerning in who to bring in, and that could actually reveal some greater concerns about the administration. But you also might find that the school is going above and beyond to bring in great speakers who are going to challenge and equip the kids spiritually. So this can actually point to a school that is doing a lot of great work for the students. A third thing that you'll find in more committed Christian schools is that they will proactively equip teachers to incorporate the biblical worldview into classes outside of Bible. So, for example, science teachers will be equipped to discuss how the design of nature points to a designer. English teachers will be equipped to bring worldview angles into discussions about literature that's being read. The history teachers will be equipped to connect subjects to biblical history when appropriate and point to God's providence in history. When a class is using a Christian curriculum, it certainly makes it easy. Easier for teachers to do this because it prompts them with those connections if it's a good curriculum. But some Christian curricula, to be honest, is lacking in depth, academically speaking. So if a Christian school chooses secular curricula for its academic rigor, The trade-off is that the teachers typically aren't equipped to make the kinds of worldview connections I'm talking about here without some specific training. So it's the committed Christian schools that will recognize this and take steps toward equipping their teachers. And finally, there are a lot of other ways that a committed Christian school will incorporate spiritual life into their program. So for example, they might have small groups that are geared toward the spiritual development of the students. They may offer mission trip opportunities. They may have special prayer events on a regular basis. It really just depends on the school, but you'll see much less of these kinds of things in nominally Christian schools. That brings me to the final category. I want to briefly comment on committed Christian schools with an alternative educational philosophy. If you haven't read much about education, the history of education, educational philosophies and so on, you probably have no idea what I mean by this category. And I don't say that in a condescending way at all because that was me until just like a year ago. It's just that if you've always attended a mainstream school, public or private, you'll assume by default that this is how school works. This is just how it's done. That was always my feeling. I had never heard of anything else. But you have to know that there is a long history behind how schools function today and their philosophies and their emphases. More than a century ago, public schools started to transition from being a place where the goal was to develop people of a godly virtue through the learning of what was true and good and beautiful. And they were transitioning to a place that was focused on preparing kids for a specific position in the workforce it would be beyond the scope of what I can discuss here to get more into that history and the significance of that change. So I'm going to point you to a book that you must read. Truly, it's a must read. And I I do think that Christian parents, no matter what your educational choice is for your kids, should have this information as background. It's called Battle for the American Mind, Uprooting a Century of Miseducation by Pete Hegseth. I will put a link to it in the show notes. It completely revolutionized how I think about education. And at the same time, I have to say, I honestly felt depressed after reading it because I realized how much I wished I had this knowledge before my kids started elementary school. It would have made me see everything so differently. The fact is most Christian schools are still structured the way public schools are and they follow the same design of being focused on career. Career preparation. There's some amount of Christian worldview woven into that, as I've discussed here at length, but it's still the same basic design. We have two large Christian high schools in this area where I live, and this is the nature of both of them, but few parents are aware that schools like this are replicating what is a secular educational philosophy. If you're new to this education discussion, you're probably thinking, well of course they should be focused on career preparation, that's what school is for. And that's how I thought, too, until I read the Heck Seth book and I realized how much more education can and should be. So again, I encourage you to read that book to kind of rethink what education is. So for high school, on a personal note, we're sending our kids to a small Christian school. It's about 400 students in total that is focused on the true, the good, and the beautiful with an emphasis on developing the person rather than first and foremost preparing kids for the working world, which is that mainstream school model that I was talking about. And of course, when kids are educated toward the true, good and beautiful, they'll also be even better prepared for whatever career path that they'll want in life. It's just that this kind of educational model is all about teaching kids to think well from a Christian perspective. And that makes a huge difference in what a kid will experience. I am so glad that I read that Seth book because it was what really put me over the edge in trying in terms of being willing to go to a school that's focused on these alternative things. I think before that, I was really focused on just wanting to make sure that I went to the school that was very traditional in terms of how I had experienced things and that this was preparing kids to go to a specific college so that that specific college could then prepare them for a career. And I see the whole educational path completely differently now. And so I, I ask that you guys read that book too. And I hope that it will be a blessing to you in the same way that it was to me. Now, none of this is to say that Christian schools with a mainstream educational philosophy are bad. I want to just put that up front here because sometimes that's how people take these things. Not at all. There are many wonderful Christian schools that function in this way, but I wanted to at least share that this is not the only option out there, and you should really look into the possibilities in your area before you make a decision. Even if you're thinking of homeschool, if you're a homeschooler or you're thinking about homeschooling, there are a lot of different ways that you can homeschool. It doesn't need to... look like if you sent your kids to a public or private school and with a mainstream model it doesn't need to look the same in your house. You can do something that's alternative in its nature as well. So in all kinds of Christian schools, I want to highlight something that is important not to expect. And this is across the board. This is all four categories. This is a universal comment. You should not expect that the kids will be better behaved than in public schools. This is so important because I think a lot of parents have wrong expectations going into school. I have been horrified with what I have witnessed at my younger daughter's Christian school this past year in sixth grade. Since we homeschooled my older kids from middle school, this is my first adventure with sixth graders in a traditional setting, and I could not be more disappointed at the conversations that are taking place. I have had to explain words and concepts to my 12-year-old that I haven't even talked about with my 14-year-olds, and I talk about a lot with them. So this is not stuff that's just coming from one kid who spent too much time on TikTok and is kind of spoiling the with a bunch at school. It's multiple kids. It's all over the place. And and the school that they go to really is a committed Christian school. It's not a progressive school. It's not an anomaly Christian school for the most part. So just because parents are Christian doesn't mean that they're deeply committed to their faith. And even if they're deeply committed to their faith, it doesn't mean they'll have the same boundaries for worldly exposure as you do. And even if they do have the same boundaries as you, it doesn't mean their kids aren't going around those boundaries. What does that mean? It means that your kids will hear a lot of the same things they would hear in public school from fellow students. The benefit of them being in a Christian school is that you can address those things with teachers and administration is problematic because they can be held to an agreed upon biblical standard. But please know that you're not eliminating behavioral problems that surround kids at this age just because you send them to a Christian school. So the bottom line on Christian private schools for me is that if you have the option of attending one that is committed to a biblical worldview, it's almost certainly a better choice than a public school, even if the execution is lacking. So in other words, your local Christian school might not know how to deeply integrate a biblical worldview into all of its classes, and the chapels might not be deeper than weekly skits put on by the kids. But even so, the adherence to biblical commitments is a strong mitigating factor against many of the problems that you may encounter in public school. You might wish they did more to integrate a biblical worldview, but it's still a better alternative." If you're considering homeschool versus private school, however, I would give strong consideration to homeschool first for all the reasons that I discussed in part one of this episode. I want to end by answering several questions that you guys submitted online about private Christian schools. So here's the first one. Someone said, I'd love to know your thoughts on how to balance things so our kids aren't kept in a Christian bubble and can still be salt and light with keeping more control over worldly messages they would be immersed in if attending public school. Okay, so I haven't yet done my episode on public school, but when I do that episode, I'll explain why public school shouldn't be synonymous with a child's opportunity to be salt and light. Just because a place needs salt and light doesn't mean it's appropriate or best for your child to be the salt and light. A child's education is too important in their development to make a decision to send them to public school for this reason. I realize that public school is the only choice possible for a lot of families, and for those families, there will certainly be opportunities for kids to be salt and light while there. But making the most of a circumstance is different than using those opportunities as a justification for making the decision in the first place. So with that said, I would say to the person who asked this three things. Number one, your kids can share Jesus in a whole lot of ways outside of the school context. Extracurriculars, with neighbors, on mission trips, and so on. Number two, there's really not much of a Christian school bubble. Trust me, there are plenty of problems to deal with in Christian schools, and your kids will have plenty of opportunities to be salt and light there. Number three, If you're concerned about Christians fleeing public schools and the effect that that's going to have on the kids who remain, as in who's going to reach them, get involved with the public schools. It doesn't matter if your kids go there. You can monitor what's going on, be up to date, attend board meetings, advocate for what's best there, and many other things. Honestly, I think all Christians should be doing this. We should all be willing to keep up with what's going on so that we can help inform other parents and that we can advocate for change when change is needed. So I think it's wonderful to be concerned about the public schools and how we can be salt and light to those schools. But that doesn't require us to send our kids there. All right, the second question was, how do you discern if a quote-unquote Christian school is actually Christian beyond just their doctrinal statement? I basically want to know how to keep our kids Christian at a private school, ha ha. Well, hopefully I what I've said in this episode already will be helpful in answering this question in the way that I broke down the categories of schools. But just to summarize some of the questions you might ask to see where on the spectrum of schools yours is, here are a few. Do your teachers sign the statement of faith? If so, what is that? Does the school have a statement about sexuality and gender identity? What does the school see as the purpose of chapels? If outside speakers have been used, ask for a le- list of the most recent ones. How is prayer incorporated into the school day? What is the Bible curriculum and how much time is spent on the Bible class each week? Ask for a list of curricula for each subject for your child's grade and look to see if they use Christian, secular, or a mix of both. Again, secular isn't necessarily bad, but it depends on what they do with it. How are teachers trained to bring a biblical worldview into the classroom on non-Bible subjects? What other programs or initiatives does the school use to develop the spiritual lives of students? So those are just a few of the questions that you might ask to get a feel for where on the spectrum a school is. But you're absolutely right to be concerned with keeping kids Christian at a Christian school. A problematic school can do a ton of damage to a kid's faith in the same way that a problematic church can. Someone else had this question. I'm sure every experience differs, but I attended a K-12 Christian private school with a parent on the board. My question would be, how do you prevent your child from being jaded by nominal Christians providing he, she, is a believer, and how do you provide them with peers and mentors with a vibrant act of faith? It's hard feeling alone as a Christian in a Christian school, but how do you hedge against complacency as a believer being normative when that's what they see regularly? If kids are younger or aren't believers, how can you show them Christianity? should be evaluated based on its claims rather than followers they see who might profess Christ but do not bear any evidence of genuine belief, end quote. Oh boy, you guys, this is the best question. As I said to the person online when they posted this, I feel this one so deeply. The fact is, if you are a committed Christian parent who is serious about discipling your kids with a biblical worldview in your home, you will almost certainly be disappointed with the social experience your kids and you have at any Christian school. That's because people choose Christian schools for all kinds of reasons. And really, this is a good application of all those worldview stats I'm always sharing with you guys. 65% of people claim to be Christians today, but only about 4% of people have a biblical worldview, according to the research. In other words, only about 4% of people see reality through the lens of what the Bible teaches that gap between 65% of people saying they're Christian and only 4% having a biblical worldview, that's gonna translate into what you see anywhere a Christian label is applied, including Christian schools. So for example, in my own experience, many of the families at my kids' Christian school didn't attend church, even though they would identify as Christians. I'm not saying that if you don't attend church, you're not saved, but barring unusual circumstances, say health considerations, we are called to be part of a community of believers. So not going to church is often related to the spiritual health of a family. Other families had pulled their kids out of public school due to various concerns and were at a private school more out of avoidance of some kind of specific public school situation than out of a desire to educate from a biblical worldview. Others belonged to non-Christian religions, but they went to a Christian school, because that was still the only alternative for them. All of this is to say that the kids your kids will go to school with may be raised with a very different worldview or depth of worldview than what you're trying to instill in your kids, and your kids will notice. They may well hold that up as a standard to evaluate your parenting with. Like, hey, mom, why am I the only kid not allowed to watch TikTok? Or mom, why are all my friends allowed to go to this movie and I can't? and so on. There will be continued comparison, and you're going to have to be ready for that. You'll start to be perceived as, quote unquote, more religious than you need to be because all these other families are Christian, and they don't have all these rules. They don't go to church every Sunday. They they don't have to skip sports practices to go to youth group, and so on. It's really easy for kids to get jaded by the nominal Christianity that will surround them with many of their peers. So, that's kind of the backdrop to my question in agreeing with what this person is asking. What do you do? Well, there are only a couple of things that really I have to offer on this. Number one, try to connect to the families that you know who do take discipleship seriously, form relationships with those families. Number two, keep communication lines open. You've got to constantly ask what's going on with friends, monitor messages if your kids have that access, and so on. But understand, neither of those things change the situation. It just helps you manage what might be happening. So that brings me to my most important response. You have to discuss the stats with your kids. Every kid today should hear these stats that I'm always harping on about how the majority of people say they're Christian today, but only a tiny percentage actually believe the things that line up with what the Bible teaches. This is a bigger conversation that every Christian parent should be having with their kids about being a Christian in today's world, whether that's in school, in society, or even at church. You want your kids to understand this so that when they see music that is labeled Christian, or they see books that are labeled Christian, or they're by an author who says they're a Christian, no matter what it is in absolutely everything where you see the word Christian, I want you to tell your kids, Remember the stats. And what that means is that we have to be discerning. If your kids are committed Christians already and they're wondering why is no one else living the way that we're living, mom and dad, why do they seem to believe such different things? Say, remember the stats and share these stats with them so that they understand that Christian means so many different things to so many different people today. They need to understand this as they prepare to go out in the world that even at a Christian school, that doesn't necessarily mean that everyone is committed to a truly biblical worldview. And chances are, many of them actually aren't. So I think this is extremely important perspective that you can give your kids even when they're little. Even if they're in kindergarten going into a school. You can talk to them about this, about how just because it is a Christian school doesn't mean that everyone believes the same thing, even though they should if they are Christians, but it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the case and that people are going to have different beliefs, beliefs and live in different ways that won't necessarily line up with the Bible. So over time we're going to need ask questions up to go back to the Bible and say, see what God says about these things. So that's just a little bit of how I would respond to that, but I completely resonate with that question because it is something absolutely that we have had to deal with over time. Here's the next question. Someone says, I'd love to know your advice to parents who have their kids in a private Christian school where much of the administration and staff lean liberal or are at least very sympathetic with liberal logic. Well, I'll answer this with reference to what I've outlined already with the four types of schools. It sounds like this person is in a Category 1 or 2 school, either progressive or only nominally Christian. If it's Category 1, where the school doesn't even have a biblically solid statement of faith, I wouldn't go there for reasons that I already talked about. If it's a Category 2, nominally Christian school, so they have a solid statement of faith, but they're not executing that, I would take my concerns to the principal and see how they're received. It's possible that certain teachers are allowing ideas in and the administration is just not aware of the degree to which that's happening And maybe the administration is willing to make some changes. But my answer would also depend on what kind of issues this person is seeing, because when we say liberal, that can mean a lot of different things. It's one thing if you're concerned about maybe some literature selections in the English class that are leaning toward a critical race theory lens, which maybe the staff really don't even understand and you could help educate them on. But it's another thing if the school has already hired a DEI officer to enforce a critical theory view of the world throughout the program. And obviously, liberal logic, according to this question, can mean all kinds Kinds of different things. I'm just giving this as one particular example. So, whatever the case, I would take it to the principal or, if applicable, to the pastor of the church, if a school is associated with a church, and offer your feedback and see the response. And also, it's very effective if you have other parents who are concerned that you can go as a group. Another question is, how do you find out what the academic rigor is at a private or public school? In other words, they said, how do you judge if a school's academic output is top-notch, mediocre, or below average? Okay, well, I didn't talk much about academics here, but different schools will have different measures and testing programs, so the best thing to do is to ask the administration how they measure academic performance versus other schools and ask to see those numbers if they're available. In general, though, it's really quite difficult to compare private schools to other schools directly, so it's a question you'd want to throw out to the administration and see what they point to. They may have gifted programs, for example, and if it's a small school, that opportunity wouldn't show up through standardized testing test results of the whole group per se. So you'll have to compare the offerings more qualitatively. I don't have a very specific answer here other than to say that as far as I know, there's not an easy way to compare rigor and performance with publicly available data. So talk to the administration directly and see what they say. Someone else asked, curious if you think it's an issue sending your kids to a school that's a different denomination than you. I'm considering sending my kids to a Baptist school, but we are EFCA, no other Christian schools in the area. All right. Well, the school that our kids have attended for years is Lutheran, as I mentioned earlier, but we're not Lutheran. And this only impacted their experience in one theologically significant way, I guess I would say. And my kids wanted to know, basically, why does the church baptize babies? Because their friends were baptized as babies, the ones who were Lutheran. And so that was just a simple conversation about what we believe in terms of believer's baptism and how there are different denominations in the church that believe things for different reasons. And it was really quite straightforward to resolve that. But at the elementary school level, just know you're not getting deep into theology during Bible class, so very few denominational differences would ever spring up. Now, in middle school or high school, if you have a deeper theology class, you may see more denominational distinctives, especially if there's a particular curriculum that's being used from a denomination, but even those will likely be somewhat infrequent. If you're strongly committed to your particular denomination, just know where you're going to differ with the school you have access to and talk to your kids about those differences. Otherwise, I don't believe that this is a really significant concern, uh, in my experience at least. Final question. Someone says, is it truly worth the money to go private over public if you're a parent who's involved with your child's education and teach them a Christian worldview and all that comes with that? So this question would require me to go deep on the public school question for reference because if you're going to compare two things, you've got to have that reference point. So with that, I'm going to end this episode and I'm going to answer this question at the end of the next one. When I do tackle my thoughts on public school, I will come back to this question of, hey, in light of all of this, is it really worth sending your kids to a private school if you can? With that context, I think my answer to this one is going to make a lot more sense. All right. Well, that's it for today. I hope that this episode has been helpful to you if you're considering Christian private school, if you're at a Christian private school and you're thinking about leaving, and maybe if you're just somebody who's interested in knowing what's going on at Christian private schools. So that's all for today. If you guys are enjoying the podcast, I would love it if you would take just a minute to rate and review on your local players, and it helps other people find out about the show, and I love seeing your comments as well. It's a great encouragement to me personally. All right. Thanks so much for listening, and I will talk with you guys soon uh, in terms of the public school education episode. Take care.